Take the Ron Show wherever you go. Download the America One Radio app to your smartphone and listen on the go. Or in traffic wishing you were on the go. The Ron Show on America One Radio. I have to apologize. I got so caught up in, oh, I had back-to-back guests and so much going on yesterday that I didn't get to, well, note, not that you needed me to do it anyway, that we were entering Black History Month. And I really wanted to spend some time each day, you know, just kind of going over some things that happened throughout the month of February uh, within Black History Month. And it was on yesterday's date back in 1960, that's 63 years ago, that the Greensboro Four held a sit-in at a nearby Woolworths uh, department store not far from the North Carolina A&T campus that they were attending. Those four were Ezell Blair Jr., Franklin McCain, Joseph McNeil, and David Richmond. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, okay, so we we heard a lot about sit-ins back then. Why is this one important? This was the sit-in in 1960, February 1st, 1960, that sort of precipitated all the other sit-ins to be had. They went to that lunch counter and refused to leave and insisted on being served as they sat on those four bar stools at a segregated lunch counter inside an old Woolworths near the North Carolina A&T, uh, a historically black university. They were refused service at the segregated lunch counter. Well, they were tired of it. They were refused service, but they sat in their seats until the Woolworths closed. The next day, more than 20 students came with them including some females from nearby Bennett College. On the third day, more than 60 followed, over 300 on the fourth day. And of course, as word got out, the sit-in tactics were spreading across North Carolina and eventually throughout the Southeast. So it was this Greensboro sit-in on February 1st, 1960, that is credited as being the major and most influential sit-in of the civil rights era. Hmm, how about that? Today, since I didn't get to yesterday, I thought I'd do that. Today, it was on this date in 2009, that is 14 years ago, just 14 years ago, y'all, that the first African-American Attorney General of the United States was confirmed by a vote of 75 to 21. That would be Eric Holder, first African-American U.S. Attorney General 14 years ago on this date in 2009. Now, I have absolutely no idea if this sort of information would wind up on an AP African-American history course (laughs) inside or outside the state of Florida. But I do know this. Ron DeSantis has no sway over what I say on this show. And you can listen in Florida if you'd like at AmericaOneRadio.com or on the America One Radio app, a free download from your iTunes store. Suck on that, Ron DeSantis. Or is that not allowed in Florida either? It's hard to keep up. Incidentally, I want to go back to the lunch counter sit-in at the Woolworths back in 1960. There is a portion of the tour you can take at the National Center for Civil and Human Rights here in downtown Atlanta, where you actually can put on headphones, noise-canceling headphones, by the way, and sit at the lunch counter, put your hand on the counter, and just sit there and listen, and feel the shaking of the counter, the stool you're sitting in, and listen to the hateful 
words coming at you from all directions as you sit at that lunch counter in a segregated Woolworths or soda shop. It is a goosebump worthy, soul shaking, heart breaking, gut wrenching, immersive display. Again, I encourage you to go experience walking through at your own pace the National Center for Civil and Human Rights in downtown Atlanta. And if you get a chance to sit at that lunch counter, please, if you can handle it, do so. Bring someone with you who maybe has been slightly dismissive of the realities of the civil rights struggle, whether they are dismissive of the history of oppression faced back then or still don't understand the obstacles that people of color face today, at least give them the opportunity to sit at that lunch counter and experience the kind of hate that existed. We just did the math only 63 years ago. Think about it. The teenagers and young adults who went to those Woolworths and those lunch counters throughout the Southeast to shout racial epithets, death threats, slurs, to spit on the faces, the backs of heads, the sides of heads, people of color who were involved in these sit-ins, the people who were doing those things back then became voters in the 1970s, throughout the 1980s, into the 1990s, may still be alive today. Could be your grandparents, could be your friend's grandparents. And we're supposed to believe that that mindset just disappeared from the American lexicon with the signing of the Civil Rights Acts in the 1960s, right? That it just went away. It didn't subvert itself in a political movement like, I don't know, the Southern Strategy. Certainly wasn't learned from younger ears, subsequent generations within those households and communities, and passed on to the next generation. Doesn't exist in law enforcement, our judiciary. Certainly can't possibly still exist in the minds of lawmakers, some of whom were taught from textbooks that were almost literally written by the Daughters of the Confederacy following Reconstruction through Jim Crow and well into the 1970s. There's a great article at theroot.com. The headline, we found the textbooks of senators who oppose the 1619 Project and suddenly everything makes sense. That's the headline. When you learn the kind of textbooks that the likes of Mitch McConnell, Marsha Blackburn were being taught from, Lindsey Graham, you may be stunned. Frankly, I'd be unsurprised at this point. I will share that link in today's show notes at ronshowatl.com so you can see for yourself. Make no mistake, there are those on the right who have been claiming that history has been used to influence minds, and they're right, since Reconstruction by pro-Confederate lost cause types. They don't want to talk about that part. They just want to talk about how critical race theory is part of this woke culture movement to brainwash your kids to think that being white is terrible, which, of course, is absolute nonsense. 
Anyway, I'll do my part to continue noting each day in black history throughout the month of February. It's the least we can do. More Ron Show on America One Radio after this.